Um, the title of the message this morning is called The Man in the Mirror. Everybody say, The Man in the Mirror. Now, we're not gender specific. We're talking about mankind. It can be the man in the mirror. It can be the woman in the mirror. It can be the boy or the girl in the mirror. And uh, today we're talking about how the Spirit of God and the Word of God agree with each other. And we're going to do, we're going to go two directions this morning. We're going to go internally, we're going to go micro down into your individual experience, your soul. Next Sunday, we're going to blow it out and go macro to the ends of the earth that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. God's promises, His Spirit, and His truth are in agreement for all of these things. So this morning, as we look inward, we, we go micro, we are talking about the man in the mirror. And the series text that we've been using through this series is John chapter 4, verse 24. Read it out loud with me, please, if you would. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The text this morning is found in the epistle of Peter. In, in the first book, the first letter, Peter writes to the churches, to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. In verses 23 through 25, the scripture says, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it becomes, I'm sorry, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. I want to pause and quote it in the King James. It'll be a little more familiar to you. It says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which lives and abides forever. Okay, so we are born again, and what births us into the kingdom, what makes us born from above, is the living word of God. Everybody say spirit and truth. Okay, and it says that we're not born of a corruptible seed. That corruptible seed is the seed of Adam. That's, that's the seed of your father and your mother coming together, making you a human being. But the new birth is an incorruptible seed. It can't die. It's one that is the living word of God. It is indestructible. It is incorruptible. That means there's something on the inside of you this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've been born again, there's something on the inside of you that cannot die. There's something on the inside of you that cannot fail. There's something on the inside of you that cannot quit. Come on, somebody. And... That's what I want to speak to this morning. As we move on, it says, as the scriptures say, people are like grass. King James says, all flesh is as grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. That's the part in you that's birthed you from above into the kingdom of God. In a relationship, God is your father. Jesus, you are co-heirs with him now. Joint heirs with Christ, the scripture says in Romans 8. It says, but the word of the Lord remains forever, and that word is the good news. Everybody say the gospel. The good news that was preached to you. One thing we want to bring this morning, without a relationship with Jesus, our view of the word will be one of religious requirement, and there is no life in that. Read it with me, please. Without a relationship with Jesus... Our view of the word will be one of religious requirement, and there is no life. Okay? Uh, the other half of you, let's join the, the half that just read out loud with me. 
Everybody, let's do it like we mean it. Come on. Without a relationship with Jesus, our view of the word will be one of religious requirement. Ain't no life in that. Ain't got no time for that, as the lady on YouTube said. So, we jump right in this morning. What are you looking for? Point number one. Point number one. I tell you what, I'm ahead of myself. Let's stop and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing living word of truth that you have birthed us by. Thank you for the gospel of God. Thank you for a relationship with Jesus that is everlasting. Thank you that you will never, ever leave us nor forsake us. That's the promise that you've given. We ask you today that you would open our hearts and teach us. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Set a fire, O God where we need to burn. Pour water on dry ground where we're parched. Bring the healing balm of Gilead where we're hurt and broken. I ask you in Jesus' name that you convict us of sin where we need that. But Lord, convict us of righteousness where we need that. Father, convict us of judgment this morning that the prince of the world is judged. That the enemy that we have is not our problem, but it's how we see him that is the problem. God, we thank you today that we lift you up. Be filled with the Holy Spirit congregation. Let us, O oh Lord, drink from the well of Christ. Fill us with your spirit today in this service that we might do all that you've called us to do in the strength and the goodness and the power of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Without a relationship with Jesus, our view of the word will be one of religious requirement and there is no life in that. The New Testament talks about the distinction between the letter that kills and the spirit that gives life. And that's not just a dispensationalist view of the old covenant is the letter that kills and the new covenant is the spirit that gives life. Because you can open the new and you can use it like a sword and hurt people. You can bring death with it. But we're talking about the operation of the spirit of God and the word of God together that are in agreement and how God challenges us and changes us and transforms us by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I was raised in a legalistic Pentecostal background. I am not ashamed of my heritage. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for everything that I brought with me that I see that's in the Word. I'm grateful for the things that I was able to lay aside that I see were really just kind of traditional to that movement. I'm, I'm thankful. I have wonderful memories. I grew up in a family that prayed. I saw my grandfather lay hands on sick people and, get, and them get healed. And I'm thankful for uh, the prayers of my granddad, Jake Blake. I am, I am blessed right now because of, uh, I, he, is, he is in the grandstands of heaven interceding for me right now as I preach this morning. I believe that. And more importantly than granddad is I have a savior who ever lives to make intercession for me. Somebody said, what, what I could accomplish if I could just have Jesus and know that he's right here with me in the next room praying for me. It was Robert Murray McShane, the great prayer warrior that said, there is no distance in prayer. He is praying for me right now. And because of that, I can do and be all that he's called me to do and be. Somebody say amen. Um, with my heritage, there came a very religious kind of um, legalistic view of the word, of the world, and everything in it. It was about the shortness of my hair and the length of the girl's hair. 
the length of their dresses, the way we conducted ourselves, and some of that I'm thankful to have been able to lay aside and realize that holiness is like underwear. You don't wear it on the outside, you wear it under. It's, it's an internal thing that informs the rest of who you are. It's, uh, it's like the story of the person, the indigenous man from his country and the missionary had taken some clothes and he came out dressed in the pair of jeans and his briefs were on the outside because he'd been in a tribe that did not know that this is how western folks dressed and didn't know that the underwear was something that's not seen. I believe that holiness is like that. I believe that holiness has to begin in the root of our hearts and that it moves outward and informs everything that we do from the inside out and not externally from the outside in. Somebody say amen. Uh, maybe that's a crude illustration, but you got it. You got that point. You see what I'm saying. And so holiness is like an undergarment. It's a foundational garment in our lives that, um, that leads us, that guides us. It informs our integrity. It keeps our hearts. It guards our hearts. Um, thankful to have been able to have moved on from some of that stuff, but I also want to say that that sometimes there is a tendency when we leave some of the extremes of one particular movement or our heritage, sometimes we can get out of the ditch that we were in of legalism and we can get a full head of steam and run into the ditch on the other side of the road of licentiousness and just complete worldliness and sinfulness. How many of you know God won't bless that? And so we, we have to learn how to walk in the path, in the road, the road which leads to the road which is the righteous highway of God. Um, this morning, I, I want to say that this is a discovery for me. It was in the 1980s where this portion of Scripture really exploded in my life. I never was a fan of the, of the book of James. I uh, just saw it in a light, and I just never was drawn to it. And I was in college when I did my first read-through of all the Word. And it's like God used a book that I didn't care for to let it light a fire in my life, in the book of James. And so I saw something that I had never, ever seen before because we come to worship with a perspective of God. We come to the Word and we have a viewpoint. Sometimes it's the worst thing we can do because we put on a set of glasses through which we view reality. We, we, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, okay? And so when I would go to the Word, I went to the Word with this legalistic mindset of looking for everything that is wrong with me because my religious upbringing always taught me that I was no good, that I was worthless, that I was just a worm. And let me just say, apart from Christ, that is right on. That is 100% accurate. But that's not me anymore. That's my history. Now, I'm no longer B.C. That was before Christ. But now I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. I'm not the same old sinner with a second chance, but I'm a whole new creation in God. I have a new nature... I have the nature of Jesus Christ on the inside of me now. I'm not saying that I don't sin anymore. I'm just saying I've got a, cho a choice. I didn't used to have a choice. All I ever could do was sin because I had a sin nature that was driving everything. But now I've got the nature of God on the inside of me. 
And my focus when I go to the Word doesn't need to be one of looking at everything that's wrong in my life, but I need to go looking at everything that's right about God. Some of you couldn't worship this morning because you blew it in an area this week and you're under condemnation and I want to get you set free from that because I want to get you set free from your me-centeredness because worship's not even about whether I had a good week or not. It's about how great God is. I don't really cut loose and worship great when I've had a week of victory. I cut loose and worship because whether I've had a week of victory or defeat, God is still on the throne and He's still God. So what are you looking for when you go to the Word? What are you looking for when you worship? When you, when you come to church, what are, you, what are you seeking? What kind of glasses have you put on that when you start to think about your relationship with God and how do you see yourself in that equation, in that picture? What are you looking for? Look at James with me this morning. James chapter 1, verses 17 through 25 It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose. Everybody say, he chose. I love that. See, this God is the heavenly chess player makes the first move. He moves and draws you. You are here today because his love is drawing you. You are a child of God because he drew you first. He, I, I don't, I, I, he doesn't love me because I first loved him. I love him because he first loved me. Are you hearing me this morning? He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true, what? Word. There it is right there. We said it in 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So he chose to give us birth. We've been born again. We've got a new birth. This is not your old birth in Adam with a sinful nature. This is a new birth in Christ where righteousness is a part of your life now. And it says, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Now, religiosity won't teach you that you're God's prized possession. Religiosity will teach you that you know good, you know good, baby, you know good. Come back next Sunday, Linda Ronstadt leads the choir at that church and she's going to tell you again. We're going to sing it again. You know good, you know good, baby, you know good. How many of you have been to church like that? All right? Now, apart from Christ, that's totally true. But we're singing to a room full of people that are not apart from Christ anymore. Do we still have sin that needs to be dealt with? I'm going to speak to that in this passage. But my focus is not that anymore. My focus is what God is doing in me now. God deals with a man not based on his history. He deals with a woman not because of her past. He deals with a person based on their destiny, where he is taking you, not where you've been. Your past is in the past. It's covered by the blood. Dr. Billy Graham said he's thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness and posted a sign that says, no fishing. Stop trying to dig up what God has forgotten himself, what he bears no record of, what he has obliterated, what he has covered by the blood, what he has washed away. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. If they're destroyed in your life, quit trying to resurrect them. Come on, somebody. 
He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. My daddy used to say, how many ears on your head, boy? I said, two. He said, how many mouths you got? One. He said, you need to shut up and listen twice as much as you speak. (laughs) My daddy told me. You need to be slow to speak and slow to get angry. This is interesting because religious folk are angry. They're angry because they worship an angry God. Now, is God's wrath real? Absolutely. I believe that. I believe he's holy. I believe his wrath is real. I believe that he poured his wrath out on Jesus so we could be saved from it. And therefore, the focus now is, as a believer in Christ, we need to... We need to alter our view. We've got a God who's on our side, who loves us, who is not angry with us. Are you hearing me this morning? He's a a father who is crazy about you. If he has a refrigerator in his house in heaven, your picture is on it. Are you hearing me this morning? Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You can't get angry enough at yourself. White knuckle and resist what you're tempted and being drawn into. I don't want to be crass in any kind of way, but as a young believer who came to Christ, was saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, water baptized when I was nine years old, walked with the Lord most all of my life. I had a rebellious period from 16 to 18 where I tried to get drunk and I tried to smoke dope. I I never did really get into it because it just made me hungry and I didn't eat anything that was going to make me eat any more than I needed to. And I did it intentionally because I was, I was angry at God. I was mad at God at that period in my life. And I'd been offended by a young minister that I was traveling with, and I found out that he wasn't what he claimed to be, and I was, I was frustrated. I was hurt. God, why did you let this happen in my life? And I was angry. And I was, I was a, a teenager. I was, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I was struggling with everything that all teenage boys go through when... Changes come in their bodies and they see how gorgeous that girl is they've never noticed before. And all of a sudden, we're wrestling with thoughts and and I'm under condemnation because these thoughts just keep coming. And I would white-knuckle it. Oh, God. I'm just going to get angry enough at myself that I'm going to stand strong. I'm not going to let myself think like that. And I would get angry and I would realize that being angry at myself, trying to stop what I was doing, actually kept me focused on the problem I was trying to defeat. Human anger won't work the righteousness that God desires. You, you need to put your baseball bats and your whips and your chains. Legalism will produce a kind of spiritual masochism where you will beat yourself up. You'll put yourself in condemnation and live under a cloud and almost induce a kind of a spiritual depression because you're just no good and you just know how no good you are. And I needed something. I needed a breakthrough in the Word. And I opened the Bible and the book of James just became alive to me. And I saw this passage. Now, those of you that think that I'm I'm going soft on sin, get verse 21 with me. Here it goes. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that he's planted in your hearts. 
Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has power to save your souls. When you hear the word, your, your spirit, the heart of man, receives it, but it's then what you do with it there, whether you exercise faith in Christ, that it has the ability to transform your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion. Your mind is what you think, your will is what you want, your emotions are what you feel. Jesus says, except you lose your soul and gain mine, if you will lay down your suke, your soul life, then I will give you zoe, the eternal life of God. I have to lay down what I think and what I want and what I feel so he can teach me what he thinks about me and what he wants for me and what he feels about me. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning. So... Transformation takes place in my life. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, when I'm not conformed to the world. Matter of fact, 1 John says, love not the world and the things of the world. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go out here and take a hike in nature and love the trees, listen to the birds, eat the food. Everything that God has put here on the planet is good, and he meant us to enjoy it. The thing that he says, don't love the world and the things of the world, he's talking about the world system, not the habitable earth that we live in, but this system of sin and death and destruction. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me this morning? Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's in that area where the gospel begins to wrestle with how I think, how I view God, how I see myself. And when I go to the Word, I have to renew what I'm looking for. I have to recognize that God wants me to put on a different set of glasses when I open the Word. Deal with the wrong, deal with the evil, move the filth out of your life, receive the Word into your hearts because that can save your souls. That can transform you and change your mind about things. Verse 22 but don't just listen. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do. Everybody say, listen, do, hear, obey. Okay? Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Put it into practice. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For you, if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Glancing at your face in a mirror. And so this morning I would ask you, what face are we looking at? You see yourself, verse 24, you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, now that's not legalism, but we're talking about the perfect law word, the word of the Lord. If we look carefully into the perfect law, the next chapter he calls it the royal law of liberty. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget, everybody say, don't forget. Don't forget what, what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Now, would you agree with me that when you open the Bible that the word of God is the mirror? So you open the word, you look in the mirror. When you go there, what are you looking for? Are you looking at how awful, wrong your attitude is, what your struggle is, how weak you are in this area? You know what? Before Christ, I believe that's probably a correct perspective to take. But now that you're a new creation, 
As a matter of fact, the scripture says in the book of, in the in the King James it says this is like a natural man or a man looking at his natural face in a glass. And the Greek word for natural is genesis, or we you can see it. it it's just the word genesis. It's it's your genesis face. Well, guess what? We're not talking about the face of Adam, my mother and my father in the flesh, but we're talking about verse 18. If you would put 18 back up there for me, and I want you to see this one more time. Remember, 18 says, he chose to give us birth by giving us what? His true word. So the birth he's talking about is the new birth. It's being born from above. I'm looking at my Genesis face. I'm looking at my rebirth. I'm looking at my reborn. I've had an extreme makeover. And God says, you're a new creation. I'm not the same old sinner with a second chance, but I'm a whole new kind of person. I'm a part of a group the scripture says is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I've been delivered. I've been set free. The peace of God is mine. I don't have to live in strife. The healing of God is mine. I don't have to stay sick. The blessing of God is mine. I don't have to be in lack. The wisdom of God is mine. I don't have to be confused. The light of God is mine. I don't have to be in darkness. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? So I go to the mirror of the Word, and I'm looking at my Genesis face. That's the face of my new birth. I've got to renew my mind as to who I am now. We sang it this morning. Sidney did a beautiful job. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I am who you say I am. Why do we take time to sing songs like that? Because you need to hear yourself say it. Because you come in here on Sunday morning and you take a quick glance into the Word and you recognize that your life has been transformed because you were predestined before the foundation of the world to become His children, to be a child of God, to be a daughter of God, a son of God. The greater one is on the inside of you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You abide in the vine. You know that apart from Him you are nothing, but thank God you're not apart from Him. And you come in here and you get reminded of who you are now in Christ and you glance into that Word and you walk out of here and by Tuesday you've forgotten who you are. In my religious upbringing, it was go to the Word and see how sinful I am. But I believe the New Testament perspective is, as a new creation in Christ, I go to see that God who began a good work in me, and he's not going to quit until he finishes, until I see Jesus face to face, is transforming my life by his powerful word. I don't have him on the front row because I'm, I'm spitting this morning. I'm trying to, trying to dry it up here. I'm sorry. I'll back up a little bit. Anybody getting anything out of this? Listen to me. The problem you have when you sin is because you have a, you've had a momentary lapse of your memory as to who you are in Christ. You have forgotten who you are. Look at your neighbor and say, remember yourself. Tell the person on the other side, say, remember yourself. What did it say? You glance in the mirror and you get a look at yourself and you go away and you forget what you look like. That's somebody who hears the gospel of the transformative power of the new creation, but then you just forget about it and you get back into your old patterns of, of BC. 
you, you, you go hang out at the old haunts. You, you're drawn to the old relationships. The old relationships are still living like they always did. And they're going to drag you right back down into the pit and the muck and the mire where you were. And you know what? You may hang out there for a while and then you're going to just see how foolish and how ridiculous it is. I remember in those two years of rebellion in high school, I would lay down in my bed every night and I would go, God, I know this is totally stupid and it's ridiculous. Please don't let me go. And you know what? He didn't. And he didn't hang on to me because I asked him to. He hung on to me because he loves me. And he let me take that couple of years and he let me work out that anger. He let me get out there and experience a few things. I'm thankful for the grace of God that covered me that I didn't end up in trouble or hurt somebody else in the process. But there's no place that you can run so far from God that you get out of the reach of His hand. Come on, somebody. Come on, if you're His... Come on, if you're his, there's, there's going to be something on the inside of you that says, you know what, I'm sick and tired of eating these corn husks. I can go home to my father and I can be as one of his hired servants and be better off than I am right now. And the prodigal son can have a revelation moment and can say, you know what, I will arise and I will go to my father's house. And that's what happened to me when I was 18 and I turned back to the Lord. I said, God, forgive me, I've just been stupid, I've been foolish, and I've been angry. Forgive me. And I opened the word and I saw a different perspective. I saw that, that God is not trying to build into me a sin consciousness, but he's trying to build into me a righteousness consciousness. This is the issue right here. The same chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It says, Four verses down in verse 21. For he who knew no sin, Jesus, was made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Everybody say, in him. That's where you are this morning. You are in Christ. It's not about being in Adam any longer. In Adam all die. In Christ all are made alive. That's where I am. I'm in Christ now. I'm alive. I was dead, but he raised me from spiritual death when he called me out of the grave of sin and death. Come on, somebody. I heard the gospel, and it transformed my life. The face of your birth is the face of the new creation. It's your Genesis face. It's the one that if you keep looking at it and you stay in the Word and you keep worshiping God, you start to see that you're, there's a resemblance. You're starting to look like a little bit more like, like your Father, like your Heavenly Father. You're not as quick to get angry. You're able to bridle your tongue. You know, and even if you miss it, thank God he says, if, even if we do sin, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, somebody. Without a relationship with Jesus, our view of the word will be one of religious requirement, and there's no life in that. I don't want the letter that kills. I want the spirit that gives life. Somebody said, you know, this is cool. I've never heard this take on this. I've always thought you go to the Word and you see everything that's wrong and you, you, you get up and go make it right. I'm not doing away with the need for making change in your life. I'm just saying that can't be your only focus because you'll live in condemnation. And the Scripture says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in, where are you? Say it, in Christ. In Christ Jesus. Somebody says, okay, yeah, this is great. But I've never heard it preached that way. I, I need a little bit more confirmation. Point number two, this new perspective needs some confirmation. Go with me, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. Here we go. 
This is the whole passage where Paul is talking about being able ministers of the new covenant. Talks about Moses. Talks about the letter of the law killing. The spirit of the word brings life. And he says all of those that are under the law, they have a veil over their faces. He said it's like Moses who would go before God and when he would come down from the presence of the Lord on the mountain, his face would glow. And so he put a veil over it because the glow was so great. But after a while, Moses kept the veil on because the glow had faded. Now, there are but three or four preachers in the room this morning, and you know what I'm talking about. We, we can put on a religious veil because we don't know, want the folks to know that the, the glow has gone. If I were preaching to a room full of preachers at a convention, I'd do this entirely differently this morning. But too many times we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to take the veil off and let people see that we're struggling and there's not the glow there that everybody thinks we have. We need to get in the presence of God. How many of you know when you've been with the Lord, people can tell? What did they say about the disciples in Acts chapter 4? He says these were unskilled, ordinary men who had been with Jesus. You know what? All of your shortcomings, all of your faults, all of a sudden come through a whole different filter when you just get with Jesus for a while. When you get in his presence, he will empower you. He will transform you. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. Come on, somebody. The words that come out of your mouth will be life and not death. And so 2 Corinthians, the context is the spirit that kills, I mean the, fle- uh, the, the letter that kills and the spirit that gives life. And he says in verse 16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil of covering. He says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How many of you know folk can come in here on Sunday morning and they can experience the presence of God and they can leave liberated, out of, be set free from bondage because the Spirit of the Lord is here. The literal translation here of this passage is where the, where the Spirit is Lord. Not where the Spirit of the Lord is, but where the Spirit is Lord. Where the Spirit is calling the shots. Where the Spirit is ruling the people. I'm talking about capital S, Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit is Lord over the people, liberty is there. It's, it's opposite of what you think. If somebody lording over you, they're controlling you. But when God is Lord over your life, he sets you free. And there's liberty because he puts a heart in you to choose righteousness. He says, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But look at this, verse 18. But we all, with an unveiled face, an uncovered, an authentic vulnerable, honest, open. We all with open face. Another translation says we all with an open face. Beholding as in a what? Everybody say a mirror. There it is again. That was James 1. The guy who goes to the word is like a man glancing in the mirror, seeing his face. He says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That's what we're going to look for. He says, we are being transformed into the what? To the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You keep walking with God, you're supposed to get stronger. It says we go from glory to glory. So there are degrees. There's, there, there's, a, there's an overwhelming sense of a progression of, the, of, of being swallowed up into the glory of God. 
The Bible says in in Romans chapter 1, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Everybody say, from faith Faith. to faith. So you keep walking with God. The faith you had last year is going to get swallowed up in a bigger, greater faith that you have this year. Are you hearing me? You got that? Psalm 84 says... Every one of them in Zion appear before God. They go from strength to strength. You keep walking with God, you're going to get stronger. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, come on, strong. That's that's, that's the word of the Lord. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. God is transforming us, the same image. What we're looking at is important because that's what we're becoming. Listen to me. Hear this this morning. We become what we worship. I'm not saying you're becoming God. I'm saying you're becoming like the God you worship. It says it right there. We're being transformed into the same image. Now, if you come into the house of the Lord and you put on a set of glasses and you've been raised in churchianity and you've got a religious view of the word and it's nothing but a requirement producing death, you will see God that you're here worshiping as an angry God that you can't please and he's ready to bust you off the brow of the hill when you have a bad thought or you do something incorrectly now maybe I'm just messed up that's the view of God that I grew up with God's angry I can't please him folks that's not the God of the Bible that's that's the God of Roman mythology that's Olympus on a mountain that's belching a volcano it's a God who's always angry it's a God who's peeved it's a God who is easily ticked off my God your God is not that easily offended, folks. Come on, he knows, he's no, he knows you're jacked up. He knows you're messed up. And that's why he sent Jesus. Now, don't think for a second that God won't discipline us when we need some correction. But this view, come on, religion gives us this idea. Oh, I've blown it. I better not let dad know. Relationship says, oh, I've blown it. I need to talk to my dad. Y'all hearing that? Religious requirement, law, legalism will keep you in fear and bondage all the time of an angry God that that you feel like if you just blow it one little bit that you're just going to bust hell wide open. But a God that you're in a relationship with that you know that before you were ever a gleam in your daddy's eye, generations before you ever thought of, God knew you before the foundation of the world and he set his love on you. That's what the Bible says. I'm telling you, your picture's on his refrigerator in heaven. He's on your side. He is crazy about you. He's a father who loves you and will adjust you, will discipline you, will correct you. But his correction is never punitive. It's therapeutic. He wants to teach you how you don't have to stay in that mess anymore. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me this morning? That's the word of the Lord. That's that's a God who is holy and that's a God who is love. And we need to know both aspects of that and we need to embrace and take hold of both sides of that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the spirit of the lord we become what we worship and if you worship an angry god that's the reason so many fundamentalist churchianity christians are angry they're mad all the time because they're they're going to church on sunday worshiping a god that's mad at them i'm preaching way better than you understand what i'm saying do i need to say it again for the hearing impaired 
Put up my next sub point. Here we go. Read it with me. Here we go. Your image of God is critical to your spiritual health. Bless the Lord. Thank God for my heritage, but I'm thankful there's a lot of stuff I grew out of. Because if you view, if your view of who God is, is Zeus on Mount Olympus, you will live in that kind of constant, got to approve, got to win a gold star, perfectionism. And folk, there is no life in that. You, you need a revelation of this amazing thing called the, I'm going to go Baptist hard. You need the grace of God in your life. His grace. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. It's so great. It's indescribable. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us so. And that's a song that resonates with so many people because they've, They've never, they've never dwelt or meditated on that kind of a concept because they put on a set of glasses when they go to church and they expect everybody to be all pinched mouth, sour, sucking on a persimmon, baptized in, in, in pickle juice, got the joy of the Lord, hallelujah. Don't tell me I have joy. And some folk need to notify their face. <laughs> you, get, you really, if that's joy, I, please leave me out. I'll give my helping to somebody else. <laughs> Am I helping anybody this morning? Without a relationship with Jesus, our view of the word will be one of religious requirement, and there is no life in that. What did Jesus say? Point number three, and I'm finished. I just want to read the scripture, and we'll, we'll say the amen. Luke 6, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, everybody say listens, and then follows. Say listens, follows, hears, obeys. There it is again. I've given you three witnesses today. Here we go. I'll show you what someone is like who listens to my teaching and then puts it into practice, follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs down deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it was well built. Folk, a storm is coming for everybody's life. It's not if, it's when. The storm only reveals the integrity of the house that you've built. Everybody has a storm. Now, you know what? If the stormy wind starts blowing in your life and you've not built well, you have some brothers and sisters here at this place called Victory Church that will we'll come to your house and we'll haul over and we'll, we'll bring the two-by-fours and we'll bring the, the, the plywood and we'll bring the power drills and we will do everything we can to help you batten down the hatches while the hurricane is blowing through your life. And... We will love you with no judgment, but when the storm subsides, we're going to say, now guess what? This is what you can do. Next time the wind blows, you don't have to be in this same set of circumstances again. Let's check the foundation. Let's build your marriage on the Word of God. Let's train our children in the house of the Lord. Let's, 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 let's build our, our jobs and our view of the world and how we're loving our neighbors. Let's build it on the solid rock of who Jesus is and what He says. The next time the hurricane comes, you're going to stand firm and you'll bring people into your house because your house is going to stand when the winds blow. Y'all hearing me this morning? 
We love you because guess what? At some point in our lives, every one of us has been in your situation with the winds blowing and the windows flying out and folk are over there trying to batten down the hatches. Come on, we're going to help you. We're going we're gonna to last this thing out. We're going we're gonna to make it through this, this trial in your marriage. We're going to make it through this problem with a, with a child. We're going to make it through the loss of this job. We're going to make it through this. We're going to help you make it through and stand with you in faith through this doctor's report and challenge to your health. Everybody in this room at one point or another in your life will have some stormy winds blow. The thing is, is you don't want to be what the next person is. This is what Jesus says, and I'm finished Verse 49, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey, be a doer, not only a hearer. Anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the, yes, honey, amen, help me over there. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Another translation says it this way in the Gospel of Matthew a man who built his house on the sand. Now, the interesting thing about that is that sand is tiny particles of rock. What does that mean? You want to build your house into the solid rock of a relationship with Jesus and his word that never fails, that doesn't pass away. It abides forever. You don't want to just go and cherry-pick your favorite verses and have particles of truth that you want to grab here or there and try to build the house of your life on. Because when the storm comes, it'll, it'll just wash it away. You need something that's solid. You need something that's cohesive, something that is together. Somebody said to me one time, what's the Lord saying to you? I said, Lord's saying to you everything that you don't have underlined in your Bible. That's what the Lord's saying to you. All those other verses. Open the Word. Get the whole counsel of the Word of God. Not just a few favorite scriptures from a little bread box on the kitchen table. Nothing wrong with that. But there's a whole lot more there than just that. Start there. Get that. But build your life on the solid word of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, and I close with this, the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more under the perfect day. We've talked about faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. The light's getting brighter and brighter. Everybody say more and more. I believe that. I believe as you walk with the Lord, and let me just say this to you. I don't know what you're facing right now, but three years ago, just a, just a few days ago, my wife killed herself, and I was bowled over. I was, I was hit with a wave, an ocean wave, that I thought I was going to drown from. And I've seen the bottom of the barrel. I've had my nose in the hole of the bottom of the barrel. And in the middle of that, I had to learn to look up to say that, God, even in the middle of this, I can still find some things that I'm thankful for. And the fact that I can stand up here and say that and not fall all to pieces is because of the grace of God. It's because of God's goodness. It's because of hope, hope that is alive in my heart that's helping me move forward. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know where you are, but I, there's no place so far. You haven't done anything so awful that the hand of God can't reach and bring you back. Where, whatever you're dealing with this morning in this room. If there's anything in this message that has spoken to you, if, if, if you just need to say, God, help me to go to the Word and see from a fresh perspective, or if you've never personally crossed the line of faith and said, Jesus, come into my heart, save me. I want to know what it is to be born again. That's where you start. That's where life really changes. That's where you put on a whole new set of glasses and life 
becomes electric. There is no drug. There's no synthetic substance. There's no alcohol. There's no experience that can, that can lift you and strengthen you and encourage you and change you and transform your life like having Jesus Christ come into your heart and make you be born anew, a whole new creation. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking.